This is Aileen, and I am very excited about episode 83 of The Music Room. This episode is an interview with Anthony Molinero and is all about Delcro's inspired teaching in The Music Room. Before we begin, a little bit about Anthony. Anthony Molinero is a professional musician, teacher, producer, and podcaster. A veteran of 15 years in public school classrooms, Anthony holds the Delcro Certificate and is the Eurythmics Instructor at the Preparatory Academy of Carnegie Mellon University. He produces and hosts the world's first podcast about the Delcro's method, The New Delcrosian. Recently, he started writing a Substack newsletter, Music XT Moments and Movement, in which he shares lesson ideas, philosophical musings, and instructional tools with thousands of readers every week. I know you're going to enjoy this interview. Also, make sure to check out the links in the show notes, which you can find at mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com, and then click on podcast. All right, here's the show. I am so excited to have Anthony Molinero on this episode of The Music Room. This is episode 83, and this is about Del Crow's Inspired Teaching in The Music Room. Anthony, how are you doing? Aileen, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. All right, so I would love to start off the podcast with a little introduction about you. So just tell us yourself, your journey with music education, and what your current teaching situation is like. Yeah, great. So I have been... in public schools for 15 years. I started in San Diego, California, and eventually I moved back to the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, and that's where I'm at now. I teach K through five kind of general choral curriculum, and I am very heavily involved in uh, Dalcro's Eurythmics, both locally and on the national community. And I have really enjoyed my journey in trying to figure out how Dalcro's Eurythmics is best applied in these public school contexts and trying to share that information with the the broader sort of music ed community. So that's really, you know, my project as of late is, you know, taking all of these years of knowledge of an experience of trial and error and using Dalco's Eurythmics in my public school classroom to bring it to the, the, the rest of the world. Awesome. All right. So for those people who are maybe have heard of Delcro's, but they don't know sure. exactly what it is, how would you summarize or how would you describe the Delcro's philosophy? Right. So this is like the you know time honored tradition of the Delcro's teacher is trying to explain it because it's uh it's it's a tricky thing. So basically, if I'm talking to somebody and they don't know anything about it, I would first you know give them a little bit of history and say that you know Delcro's we're referring to Emile Jacques Delcro's, who is a Swiss teacher who was active in the late 19th and early 20th century. We kind of trace our roots back to like 1912, 1913, 1914. This is when I think Emile Jacques Delcourse's method really started to take off. And what Emile Jacques was trying to do was to foster a little bit more natural rhythmic and musical instincts in his students. And he did that by having them move primarily. So his Dalcro's practice involves um, expressive movement to embody musical concepts, these series of, of games and activities that he developed. Now he developed it initially for adults, like collegiate students. And this is something that's interesting about the method is that it was initially designed for professional musicians or, or you know, pre-service musicians in, in the sort of collegiate atmosphere in Geneva in the early 20th century, you know, later on found application with children. And even now to this day is still practiced by, I'd say, you know, 
children's classes are very common, but also, you know, collegiate level classes. And now there's a, a growing trend in our community to work with senior citizens with these practices. So, I mean, in, in a, to make a long story short, it's, it's about taking musical sensations and concepts and being able to express them through movement and then thusly being able to grow your own inner musicianship, your musical instincts, and to uh, become a stronger musician. All right. Thank you for that. I have to share with you that the first time I was inspired to teach elementary music was after attending a Delcro's workshop. Oh, great. Who was the teacher? Timothy Caldwell. Okay. Yeah. He studied with Robert Abramson. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I went to Central Michigan University and it mm -hmm. was just like a workshop for, you know, undergrads about elementary music and about duck pros. And I was like, oh my gosh, at the time I thought I was going to do high school and marching right. band and all that. Exactly. But something about it just kind of didn't sit right with me to teach high school. Something kind of seemed off, but I wasn't sure what. And then I attended this Del Crow's workshop by Timothy Caldwell and I just loved it. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. Then I took a Del Crow's class with Timothy and he actually like pulled me aside and was like, I'm going to give you free pedagogy lessons. So oh, great. It was awesome. Like he, That's awesome. he, you know, and I actually ended up teaching like a Del Pro slash Suzuki class. So I mm -hmm. had, you know, I don't have any formal Del Pro's training, sure. but I have, you know, just what I learned from him and I did really love it. So. Yeah. Well, Aileen, I think that's great. And I want to kind of emphasize your story there because I think folks sometimes in the Dow Cross community, you know, get it wrong a bit that you're forbidden from trying these things out in your classroom and using these concepts, unless you've had this formal training and this years of like, you know, expert guidance, but you know, it's, it's cool to just take some ideas and tinker with them. And that's all, that's all Jacques Delcroze did. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's very cool to just say, hey, I took a class, I really liked it, and I'm going to start to try to incorporate these ideas and philosophies into my teaching. And it is cool that you started with your experience, right? You had a moving experience as a mm -hmm. musician, and there, yeah. then that connected you to want to teach that way. And so, you know, that's primarily where we start when I deal with, you know, if I teach a workshop, I'm very very clear to tell people, I want you to do these activities with your full musicianship, right? This is not, you know, I'm not just going to show you what to do with your kids. I'm going to tell you that this needs to be for you right now, because if you can get the sensation, then it makes sense. Yes. Yeah. That's a really great point. And I think too, like people get intimidated, I guess would be the word with piano skills, like oh, yeah. I have to be this really great piano player. But what would you say about that? Yeah, that's that's another another objection that people might have sometimes or, you know, if they're, oh, well, I don't play piano well enough. And, you know, so here's how I, I explain it. Like the piano is like the right way to do these things. What the piano can do when you're playing along with these activities is super important, but there's a growing number of people in the Dakos community who are who don't play piano barely at all. And there's so many activities you can do without the piano. There's a lot of use of recorded music. There's a lot of use of hand drums. Many teachers I can name, one uh, named Catherine Smith, who teaches in Australia. She plays clarinet with her students. It's magic because okay. she can yeah. actually like move with them while she's playing. It's fantastic. And this another gentleman named Fabian Bouts who teaches, he's like, I think he's Swiss or maybe he's German. I, I can't recall, but he, does all kinds of things with world instruments, like these really amazing activities, you know, in a Dalcro's context, not using the piano at all. So I kind of kind of can say both ways. Like, so two things. Yes, you can, there's a lot of workarounds and I'm actually working on even more workarounds to help people who aren't pianists to use this work, but also maybe practice the piano, you know, because right. it's like, <laughs> 
<laughs> it is great to be able to play the piano with them. So like, it, it, and there's a ways, there's some simple things you can do with you know minimal amount of practice pretty quick on the piano. One thing I encourage people to, to do is you, you can play on just the black keys and right there you're in business because nothing sounds bad. And you can start to get some of these skills to be able to at least do some simple walking music or a little simple activity. So yeah, the yeah. piano is a, a little bit of a tangle box for people, but it's, it is a, a surmountable obstacle, I promise. Yes. And it's so funny you say something about the black keys because I actually did that today with kindergarten and first grade. I did an activity that Timothy Caldwell and I created together called the bunny game where we were like, once upon a time, there are a bunch of bunnies and they like to hop around and I play like hopping music, just, you know, random Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then they wiggle their noses and I do a little trill and then they Mm -hmm. wiggle and I do a lower trill. And then at some point they fall asleep and I just use the black keys. And I swear using the black keys makes me sound like I'm a way better piano player than I am. (laughs) It's such a hack. It's such a hack. It like really it blows people's minds and when i give a seminar i'll oftentimes intentionally do some stuff just on the black keys to show people how like look i can you can sound great just on the black keys it's very doable awesome so if you had to choose i know that's probably a hard question but if you had to choose your favorite part of the delcro's philosophy what would you say what would you choose oh man you know there's so much about it the one thing i would say is that what i think emile jacques dalcroze found was he found a way to teach musical concepts without having to explain them theoretically right so i think a good example of that is is meter i can teach the students about the meter through how it feels i'll never name a number there will be no time signature i'll never say the word time signature i'll never you know but they can tell the difference between three four and four four because there's a different sensation in the weight of the beats right And so the reason that we have the concept of meter is because it feels like something. And then we gave it a name. And Emile Jacques really figured out, he really cracked it, that you can teach these concepts just by what they really are, the essence of what they are, not what they are in theory. And then later on, you can go back and and cover the theory stuff. I mean, I think it's totally important to explain it in those terms eventually, but not until they've experienced it. And I don't know of a better way to gain that uh, sensation than Dalcro's Eurythmics. It really does teach many different concepts without the burden of the explanation which children are not prepared for so that's probably my favorite part about it is that it gets really to the heart of what these concepts are and i would actually just as a kodai trained teacher i would say that there's some similarities there and that we want to start with the experience which is something feel like instead of immediately giving it a name. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's the sensation is everything. Yeah. So if you had to name a few activities that are Delcro's inspired that you think could work in any music classroom, even if someone doesn't have some kind of formal training, what would they be? Oh, man, I mean, this is my life's work right here. So first of all, I'll say that if you if you visit my uh, Substack uh, newsletter, which is at musicxt.substack.com for people, I posting activities all the time with videos and information on how you can can, you know, implement some very simple activities. So that's musicxt.substack.com. Hopefully you put the link in the show notes yeah, for sure. and people can check that out. There's a couple from that Substack that I can kind of direct you to. There's there's one I've been using lately that people really like. It's called one, two, three, grape. It's the name of the activity. It's okay. very simple. So you start out, the first thing you would do is give your sort of your options here. And mine would be grape, cherry, blueberry, watermelon. Let's just do those four for now. Grape, grape, cherry, cherry, blueberry, blueberry, watermelon, watermelon. Good, and maybe we'll add a little clap to them. Grape, right? Cherry, right? And blueberry, watermelon. Those are the options we'll have. And then I can mix it up. Watermelon, cherry, 
Blueberry, blueberry, great. Okay, good. That's great. Now, let's do, we're going to take three steps. Well, actually, I would probably, I would not explain it. I would just do it. I would say, watch me and figure out the pattern. And I would take three steps. One, two, three, great. One, two, three, cherry. One, two, three, blueberry. One, two, three, watermelon. One, two, three, back to great. One, two, Hey, Cherry, you get the point. And it's sort of, we get this little pattern going, right? And I'm then maybe I'll play along with the piano with them. Now I'll add a little trick here. If I say repeat, you're going to repeat the last one that we just did, right? So now if I go one, two, three, great. One, two, three, Cherry. Repeat. Two, three, Cherry. One, two, three, Blueberry. One, two, three, Watermelon. Repeat. Two, three, watermelon. So now I've added a little element there of having to react to a new cue. Right. And you can add onto that one. The next one you can say is skip. If I say skip, you skip the next one. Mm -hmm. And then we do the same activity. Now we can do skips and then maybe I'll do skips and repeats. So sometimes skip, sometimes repeat. Also I'm playing piano at the time, so it's pretty engaging. Then you can add reverse. So now if I do reverse, now you're going in reverse order until we unreverse right and so now we have an activity that very simple what we call a system or yeah a system in the dalcross practice is like this kind of repeating thing and now we manipulate it and it's a super fun activity it takes up quite a bit of time to kind of set it up get the system happening and then start manipulating it then you can have the children do the manipulations and now all of a sudden they're improvising right and it's very very cool and very fun activity. So that's one, two, three, great. And there's a lot of activities like that on my Substack if people want to go check it out. Yeah, that reminds me like of a musical game of Uno. (laughs) Yeah, that's what what it's inspired by for sure. Yeah, and I I also really appreciated this about Del Pro's inspired, you know, lessons and activities is like a lot of the things that I've seen, I don't know how to say this, like kind of get their brains working. You know, just kind of like really kind of, and as a musician, we want to develop those skills where just like we can really think on our feet and like Mm -hmm. you respond to things in real time. So yes, a sustained concentration, but then also flexibility to adapt to the new cue or the new stimulus. And right, this is a very musical way of thinking, right? So, you know, that's another thing I like about the method too, is that I can really sustain a musical flow for a long time. In elementary school, that can sometimes be tricky. I mean, typically the songs are pretty short that we perform, you know, and and, and there's a lot of stopping and starting a lot of the time, right? But in Dalcros, I can keep the children in a very sustained flow state for minutes, you know, several minutes of, of really going along with it. And it's uh, it's pretty magical when it's really working. Yeah, and this is just a thought that just occurred to me, but I feel like there's something about Dalcros inspired teaching that would lend itself really well to like social and emotional learning. I don't know. I feel like every time I've gone to a Delcro's workshop, I leave feeling emotionally better, you know, like just feeling inspired and rejuvenated and just because you're connecting so Mm -hmm. much with the music. Yeah. There's a researcher named John Habron, who's brilliant. And uh, Liesl van der Merva, who's a South African, I believe. And they researched this exact topic, the, these mm-hmm. sort of transcendental, like, you know, moments that happen in a Dalcro's class. And, and, and they've come up with like a lot of research about what that's about, which is really true. And actually, it's funny that you mentioned that, Aileen, because my in my school, 
they adopted this SEL curriculum that mm-hmm. they're teaching now. And they came to me and they said, there's a bunch of these music activities in this curriculum. And I, can you take a look at them for us? And they're like really Dalcro's activities. I was like, oh, oh wow. my gosh. I was like, yeah, guys, I've been doing this stuff for a long time. And so I'm glad to, uh, I hope that it, it goes more in that direction because I do think the children need these kind of programs. But you're absolutely right. That's something that we definitely consider in our teaching as as really as, as a goal is to achieve that state that you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. to me, it's something in, in the Dalcross practice, we say it's an education in and through music. So like the things that we can learn through music are just as important. So it's not just to learn about music. That's great. Not just to get better as a musician. That's great. But what are we getting through that? And right. that's one of the things is there's this sense of connectiveness. There's this sense of well-being. This is a goal that I'm shooting for every class. That's awesome. All right. You know, we talked a little bit about connections between Delcros and Kodai. How do you feel like Delcros inspired teaching could complement other philosophies such as Kodai or, or any other philosophies? Yeah, I'm growing more and more interested in this topic. I'm a pretty dyed in the wool Dalcrosian, right? So I don't do a lot of other stuff, although I do teach recorder, mm-hmm. which is, you know, kind of comes out of the uh, ORF tradition, but I think, but now I've kind of developed a sort of Dalcrosian way to teach recorder. So I can't wait to share that. Right. But, but there's a lot of teachers who teach sort of a mixed bag approach. Right. This is, and this is great. I think this is great. I don't think, I don't see any benefit in being a purist. I do think it, it's nice to be pretty well versed in methodologies. I applaud people who have ORF levels and Kodai levels and Dalcro's training. I think it's like, you know, that's really great. And it's, it's good to be tied to these traditions because there's a reason that they've endured for so long. So, and I think there's a lot that they complement each other. I mean, ORF, ORF has been incorporating movement for a long time. I don't remember Kodai being heavily on movement, but then I went to a Kodai workshop and they did so much movement. And I was like, it's just, I don't, I don't know if that was something that changed in the method or if that's just something I didn't know about it, but I went to an ORF workshop or a Kodai workshop and it was very movement heavy and I was, and I thought it was great but I tell you what they the Dalcros sort of takes it a little step further mm-hmm. insofar is that how you're moving like the difference between musical movement and non-musical movement is very very important to us because we think that the movement is music right we think that the okay. movement is the thing to move musical is 100% the same as playing the clarinet, right? So, so it's like, we spend a lot of time bringing about the gesture that is more musical and trying to internalize these musical instincts through the movement. And so I think that ORF and Kodai teachers can just take that little nugget of it. And when you're doing an activity that you normally do, maybe talk to the kids about the way they're clapping, right? And mm-hmm. instead of clapping in a very unmusical, slappy way, you know, let's try to practice a more musical clap. So maybe that little nugget, maybe just that little thing to say, how can we make our movement more musically satisfying? And maybe that's just just the, the little nudge over the edge that you need. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. So, okay. So many good ideas here. I know that you mentioned the website that has some resources with ideas, but let's say someone is interested in learning more about Delcros, which resources would you recommend or training or workshops or anything like that? 
Well, you know, I always direct people to to my Substack, especially folks who are just in the music education space in general and maybe not dyed in the wool, Dalcrosians, and, and just want introductory stuff. That's really what the Substack's about. It's about really practical lesson ideas and tools, as well as like philosophical musings and, you know, just different stories and thoughts about, about my travels through the Dalcros method. People should also go to dalcrosusa.org, which is the DSA, Dalcros Society of America website. There you're going to find all the training centers. There's great training centers, you know, peppered throughout the country and all kinds of opportunities for online professional developments too. So if you're somewhere and you can't travel, you just want to kind of get a little taste, there's online stuff through the the DSA that I really recommend. So those are like the two main websites. You know, I I have an Instagram at Barefoot Music. People can follow that if they just want to kind of see other little things I'm dabbling with. Those are great. And, you know, there's been a a sort of a lack of great Dalcro's books as of late. The method doesn't translate super great to books, but we're working on, there's a, a great book by Patrick Saria about public school music teaching. It's called Finding the Flow. I think it's available on Amazon. I recommend that to people who are, you know, again, maybe not 100% ready for Dalcro's training, but want to just kind of find out how it might work in their in their context. So mm-hmm. uh, those are some resources I would recommend. Awesome. I will link to all of those in the show notes. And speaking of links, okay, so you've mentioned the Substack, which I will definitely link to that. And you have a podcast that people definitely That's should great. check out too. So can you just tell us about where we can find you? And, mm-hmm. you know, and Yeah, that, that podcast is called The New Dalcrosian. Um, and I co-host it with a great colleague of mine named Lauren Hodson. Um, we kind of had taken the summer off of doing episodes, but we've got a, a bunch on order. Uh, they're coming. But yeah, that's really full of great elevated conversations with, I mean, amazing Dalcros practitioners. And we always have a bring a guest in and, and talk about the method. And, and it's, I think, really elevated content. I mean, it's really, really cool. But we also try to make sure there's enough in there for people who aren't, who aren't familiar with the method very much. But it is, I think, a, a really good resource for people. That's what we, another you know thing we are trying to do is reach out to people in these sort of 21st century media spaces like podcasts and, and Instagram and newsletters and whatnot. So yeah, the new Dalcrosian, I, I can't recommend that highly enough. Yeah. And I've listened to it and I love the back and forth between you and Lauren. Is that her name, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. It's a really great lesson. So awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I would love to talk about what we're consuming. So I am a huge fan of the musician Prince. Mm -hmm. Uh, So your younger listeners might not be so familiar with Prince, but the Prince was, has always been one of my favorites. Although I'm I'm at an age where I sort of missed the the heyday of Prince. I got into him a little bit later and um, I collect vinyl records. And so I have the first 22 Prince records on vinyl, but I've never sat down and listened to them in order, right? So I started you know, a few weeks ago, putting on the first Prince record, which is mm-hmm. called For You. It's his first record. And just listening to it and spending a lot of time just like listening to that record while I'm cleaning the house or just hanging out. And then once I felt like I've kind of got the sense of it, I moved on to the second one. And so I'm working my way through his catalog and really taking the time because I I'd never consumed it that way. It was always, you know, a little bit more scattered than that. I came in on I mean, some of his later records and, and I never really sat down and got the sense of it. And so that's uh, that's been my project over the past few weeks has been trying to get through Prince's catalog. I love that I idea of listening chronologically like that and not just listening to the album one time but really kind of listening till you get yeah spending some time with it yeah exactly I like that a lot my husband and I just started watching a show with Jeff Bridges I don't know if you've seen it called The Old Man oh I haven't what's it on that's a good question I want to say FX but I could be wrong about that okay 
Um, I'm, I'm writing it down because I love Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Yeah. I really do too. So we had seen him on some late night show. He's just like such an awesome guy. Yeah, sure. Uh, he just, I want to say he just survived. Like he had a really bad case of COVID and I want to say he had cancer at the wow. same time and he survived <laughs> everything. And he's just, a very, I mean, like you could tell he was really appreciative for everything in his life. And I just, I really appreciate him as a person, but this show has him and John Lithgow. Yeah. And anytime you're going to put Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow together, like that. I love John Lithgow too. Yeah. That's just an awesome pair right there. So we're only one episode in, but pretty much he's like running from, I don't know, the cops or running from the FBI or oh, sure, you okay. don't exactly know what he's done but yeah. I'm very intrigued to know what he did. <laughs> so um, just really, really good acting. And yeah, I'm excited yeah. to check it out more. Have you, have you ever seen The Big Lebowski? You know what? My husband just asked me that. And I was like, no, I somehow completely missed that. I know oh, it's like yeah. a like a fan favorite, like a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it. my, it's my like favorite movie of all time. And, uh, oh, okay. He, if you love Jeff Bridges, I mean, you got to see it. He's, he's okay. yeah, I'll just fantastic in it. You should watch it. You, you might need to watch it twice because it's a weird movie. The first time you'll be very confused. But then if you can okay. go back through it again, trust me. Okay, I will. <laughs> all right. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you're just such a wealth of knowledge. And I am excited for people to listen to this and to get um, some great activities, but also to check out your resources and your Substack and start listening to your podcast. Sure. I invite anybody to write to me, uh, subscribe to my various platforms and, and, and stay in touch. All right. Thanks for coming on the show, Anthony. All right. Thanks so much. Bye.